1: And, uh, and just surviving, dodging fireworks from last week. Uh, it was crazy. Boy, did I call it. You know, uh, you know I just said that uh, it didn't matter that they had canceled all these fireworks displays across the country. Just go out on your porch, on your driveway, and just enjoy the festivities. Man, I don't know about you, Dennis, but here in Orlando, they went crazy. They were blowing up stuff all over. It was it was sweet. It was fun to watch. A little scary at times, but uh, it was you know uh, everybody, I think, uh, just made the best of it and bought every illegal firework they could and blew it up on the Fourth of July. That's what I experienced. What about you in Minnesota?
2: Exactly the same thing, and yeah. that's really ironic. Considering that we can't have anything other than sparklers and fountains here in Minnesota. And I'll tell you what, I saw some shows that rivaled uh, any professional display.
1: Right. You know, the rule in Florida was that, you know, you're not supposed to set off fireworks that leave the ground. And uh, basically they ignored that rule. Well, there's a loophole. So you can go and buy those type of fireworks at certain places across Florida, or you could, uh, if you agree to sign a waiver that you are going to use the fireworks only to scare off birds. So I'm here as a witness. Do you have any birds left? No, we have none. <laughs> we cleared the airspace of uh, flying fowl. I mean, which is good for pilots, I guess. <laughs> but uh, it it was comical how, you know, they, they had this little loophole. And, uh, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm going to use them for birds. Right.
2: And then, you know. I the- wish we had a loophole like that here in Minnesota because it's just an all-out all ban. It's like you can only get the uh, sparklers and those fountains. But we are conveniently located close to the Wisconsin border. So I'm pretty sure that if you wanted it, um, you know, a 30-minute drive or so will get you anything you need.
1: Right. Well, we have the same thing in the, you know, the Orlando You can't buy the the good ones unless you drive about 30 minutes out to uh, these special places that make you sign the waiver for birds. (laughs) But there were a lot of people that uh, obviously had bird issues on the 4th of July where where I was. So we had plenty of stuff to watch. If you got up in your aircraft, you had quite a show no matter where you were flying across the USA. Uh, There was a lot of stuff. And, uh, yeah, it was just a good time. And um, so I, I took advantage of it. I'm feeling good. You know, uh, if you've been following the progress, and I know a lot of you have, I'm doing fine. I've recovered from the uh, coronavirus. I'm waiting for my first uh, official test. I got tested uh, early in the week, and I'm waiting for the results still. But uh, in theory, I, I'm already past the CDC guidelines of being contagious or really even having the virus, but, you know, I kind of want a piece of paperwork to show it and I'm going to need that if I want to go to the Bahamas or outside the country or travel for that matter. So uh, I got tested early in the week. I'm still waiting on the results because they are backlogged here in Florida quite a bit because we've had a major uptick. But the good news is I feel fine. I know I'm well, over it. I just got to get the you know piece of paper to prove it.
2: You know, well, I'm not like taking a, any chances. I'm still wearing a mask while we're uh, taping here. Well, that's,
1: you know, <laughs> that's just what our crew does. And we are socially distanced via the internet. Uh, you know, he's not even in the same room.
2: I'm not taking any I. chances. You know, viruses can go through computers
1: too, right? Oh, that's true. I, I guess we need to install some kind of software or something. I don't know. Maybe. But uh, but regardless, uh, the good news is, like I said, I feel fine. But the bad news, I'm still waiting on the results. So, you know, it's kind of goofy. You know, the Bahamas, we were talking about this last week where, you know, they're requiring a a negative test within seven days of travel. And I'm going to be pushing that, I have a feeling, um, on the time that it's taken to get my results back so far. And then there's other places. What was it, Saint Martin? There, they they have uh, announced a 72 hour window. Is that it?
2: Or yeah, what? I can't imagine how you're you know given how long it's been taking you know just for routine tests here. How are you going to get a, a negative test result within 72 hours of a trip? You know, to an island like that, it's just not possible.
1: Well, they have this rapid test thing that they can get the results within like 15, 20 minutes, but you have to go to a special place. I think in Florida, I believe. Uh, Those uh, devices or whatever are reserved for hospitals and things like that, you know, for serious cases. I'm not even sure, but I know they're not readily available to everyone at the moment. So getting a COVID test that can give you results that quick, and then you can hop on an aircraft and travel to a a country and, you know, have your proof of clearance, so to speak, is not readily available just yet. And so they're going to have some problems not just with the seven-day window of the Bahamas, but uh, 72 hours is quite aggressive. So uh, it, it's going to be interesting. And, you know, as time progresses, maybe we'll find a, a solution where they can make some of that stuff happen and we'll be okay. But in the meantime, it's a, it's going to be a challenge, I have a feeling. Have you even thought about, uh, you know, your situation? I mean, you don't have the virus. You never have had it as far as you know. But you know if we uh, plan to travel out to the Caribbean, you're going to have to get tested whether you think you've had it or not, correct?
2: That's correct. And depending on when we go, uh, I may wind up having to get a test you know, at some place in Florida just to stay within the 10-day window. Because right. you know, depending on when I would leave out of Minnesota and when we would uh, you know, get together to do the trip, it might be beyond 10 days.
1: Yeah. It's just nuts uh, in Florida right now still. Uh, we had a major uptick about a week, well, a couple weeks ago, right when I got whacked. Well, it's was, it was more like three, over three weeks now. And I, I think I was at the beginning of a major uptick in Florida, especially for the Orlando area. And I happened to get caught in that wave, unfortunately. But um, but the demand on testing has been crazy. And, uh, you know, it, it wasn't hard to get tested the first time, but this follow-up test that I had earlier in the week. I literally started trying to schedule this test a week before. And it, I had to book it a week in advance. <laughs> you know, it wasn't like, you know, the only way I could get a test like the next day, say if you were getting sick and you're like, oh, I'm, I'm concerned I have the virus. The only option I was given uh, was to get up at 4.30 in the morning and go to a place that doesn't
2: open till 8. Well, we know that's not going to happen.
1: Right. I said, oh, hell no. And, uh, and, and so, you know, otherwise you got you make a reservation like at a CVS or Walgreens. I mean, they have them all over the place now, but those, uh, places require that you make a reservation and they're booking them so far out now because the demand is so high. You have to wait a week and, uh, you know, so it's not very convenient. And if you have to wait a week. Well, you get this period of time where you you're waiting to get tested and you don't know if you're positive or not. Uh, In theory, you should, you know, isolate just to be safe, especially if you're having any symptoms. But, you know, if you're if you've just come across somebody who's COVID positive and you think you need to get tested just to make sure you don't have it. What do you do in the meantime? Well, you better isolate just to be safe. Right. And that's a major inconvenience. And then you have to wait for your results. So let's say you, you you you're you're worried about it. You schedule an appointment. It takes you a week out to schedule that appointment, and then it takes another week for you to wait for the for the results to come. And at that point, it's like you're beyond the 14 day window.
2: <laughs> I Two mean, it's just solved, it's,
1: right? Yeah. I mean, it's crazy what's happening because of the demand. You know, I I don't really know what the solution is other than, you know, everything has to catch up with, you know, the supply needs to catch up with the demand and, and hopefully things will start getting better for everybody. But in the meantime, if you're planning to travel in your aircraft and you want to fly, uh, and you need some paperwork to show that you are indeed safe because that is what's going to end up happening. Can I see your papers? You know, that kind of stuff. Don't you, you agree with me on this, Dennis.
2: Either that or they're going to greet you with a uh, test kit at the airport and put you in a quarantine for the first three days when you go somewhere, which will really affect your vacation plans.
1: Correct. It's going to be a drag uh, and it's a problem. So, you know, we're going to, we're going to have to just uh, navigate this together. We're all in it together and it's changing day by day. But as we've said many times over the last few weeks, especially is uh, before you just Say, hey, I think I'll just fly my aircraft over here and do this. You better make sure you know where you're going and what they expect of you when it comes to this virus, because it literally is a, uh, you know, it's a fast moving target as far as what you're going to be required to uh, present to them. You don't even, want to be stuck. even
2: domestically, things are changing. You know, look at all of the mask ordinances that are being implemented at state and city level now. Right, it's a lot to keep track of.
1: And we're here to you know stay up on it, as, or at least remind you to stay up
2: on it because we can't keep it, keep track
1: of it. Come on, let's be real. More coming up on Just Plain Radio. Just Plain
0: Radio, the show devoted exclusively to flying and the aviation lifestyle.
1: Imagine traveling twice as fast as you can drive.
3: That's AOPA.org. Be an explorer in the
0: other two thirds of your world. Be the buddy who takes the kids in the aquarium instead of just to it. Be adventurous. Be amazed a diver. You are now clear for takeoff with Just Plane Radio, the show devoted exclusively to flying and the aviation lifestyle.
2: What are you doing in fourth class? So, the pilot was from Pakistan. I said, hey... I know a guy from Pakistan, I work with him. And then he said, hey, why don't you come to the front and sit in the big chairs? But, but, but that's me, I'm the guy from Pakistan. I told him that, and then he and then he put me here. Okay, but I, the guy from Pakistan, right. I'm back in economy. Sir, you're going to need to take your seat. And Captain Bashir wanted you to have the samosas his mother made.
1: Oh, no thank you. At the airport terminal, the planes are landing.
0: Oh and I think I'm dying, but I'm just being bored. The airport terminal, the planes are landing through the terminal we
1: all shall go. This is Just Plain Radio, Greg your co-pilot, that's me along with Captain Dennis, where your crew navigating the latest aviation news and information and playing annoying songs or well, uh, we'll likely turn into earworms, and we apologize in advance. Maybe too late for that, but it is what it is. All right, so, uh, you know, the 4th of July last weekend might have kept a lot of the birds out of the sky, but that did not, or might have blew them out of the sky for all we know. We don't, But it didn't work around JFK, evidently, for Delta, because they claimed that they had a bird strike on a, what, an A3, 319. Airbus 319, yep. And, uh, and I saw the picture of this thing. The nose is like really crunched. That had to be like, they hit big bird or something. I mean, holy
2: crap. right smack in the middle of the radome. I mean, it's, it's pushed in. It yeah. looks like a donut and not a, not a radome anymore. Right.
1: But, but initially they said it was a bird strike. And then, I don't know, there was some questions uh, to that, maybe because of the damage and the fact that there weren't any bird guts all over the plane. Which uh, I don't know. You look at the damage on the nose cone there. You you got to think that could that wasn't a bird. That had to be something way bigger. You think?
2: Well, and that's you know that was the consensus after it landed. Is you know okay? We think it's probably a bird strike, but there's no feathers, there's no blood. Mm-hmm. Um, could it have been a drone? Could have um, been something. You know, yeah, could have been. You know, maybe so they're it, looking into one of those
1: UFOs. Maybe you never know, right? Anything's possible. The Craig. truth is out there. Yeah, but this happened when 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 did this I'm I'm trying I'm trying to look for the date of I I
2: think it was Monday. Yeah, it was Monday night. Um, it was a flight from uh, LaGuardia in New York to Palm Beach. Mm. So must have scared all the Florida birds north.
1: Maybe. Well, I don't know. They were they were probably shooting them off up there. I mean, they were pretty much, uh, all across the shell shock country. They were shooting off illegal fireworks on the fourth. But regardless, it got hit by something. We don't know what but uh boy it left some damage and and they were a little puzzled but uh, nobody was hurt didn't really affect the flight other than they probably had to divert or or uh you know schedule or you know uh you know land as quick as they could but when you see the damage yeah they obviously hit something pretty hard so that's that and an Airbus 319 that's a pretty big aircraft right
2: yeah it's your your standard medium uh haul single aisle airliner Right. Hundred and hundred and forty seats or so, I think. Okay.
1: But uh but and, and it's kind of one of the go to planes right right now, especially in this economic environment. They're going smaller as opposed to uh the larger like seven forty sevens. Those are being like, I don't know, retired maybe now or what what's going
2: well, on with those? Well, the rumor is that Boeing is going to shut down the production line on the 747 after over 50 years. Uh, it looks like uh, the queen of the skies is is seeing the end of the road. Yeah. And they've got, un- there's still orders for, I think, another 10 airframes or so, but all of those are going out as uh, 747 freighters. And I think UPS has got their, their name on most of them.
1: So I was always confused. I always thought like the 787 was the big
2: one, but the 747 is the monster. The 747 is much larger, much higher capacity. It's the four-engine, double-decked. The 787 is a twin aisle. Um, So, you know, it's got, what, six, eight seats across. Yeah. But it's only a two-engine airplane, but it was designed to meet a different standard. They wanted an extremely fuel-efficient, mid-range aircraft. And so that's what the 787 fills.
1: Okay. So what's going to, I mean, what would take the place of the 747? What's the closest that we have?
2: So the the eighty seven is probably going to pick up a lot of it. Um, the 777 is still being made. In fact, Boeing has a new version, the 777X, um, that has uh, an even longer wing and more capacity. Uh, they actually have to fold the wingtips on this new 777 in order to get it to fit into the standard airplane gates. So uh, that's what you're seeing is moving more t- from the large four engine down to highly fuel efficient, um, right-sized airplanes um, with a two engine you know less less maintenance less less fuel burn and you know it's sad because i i missed my opportunity years ago to fly on a 747 and now with covid almost all of the airlines have been quickly retiring uh, the whale or the queen of the skies out of their fleet and so
1: hmm.
2: i don't know how i'm gonna, how i'm going to get a ride unless i can somehow finagle my way down to louisville and convince ups to let me ride along
1: well, there's that option, I guess. You could ship yourself to uh, Timbuktu from, from there. <laughs> That's yeah, a that'd probably be cheaper. Well, a good point. Uh, no, no doubt about that. Probably better service, too, at this point. <laughs>
2: well, can't be but, any worse, right? Yeah.
1: But the thing is, um, yeah, I've been on those aircraft before. I love them. I like the big air, air aircraft. If you're going to fly for like, you know, a uh, 7, 8, 10, 11 hour trip, you know, having that big monster aircraft. I mean, the bigger they are, the less they feel. I mean, it's like uh, being on a big cruise ship kind of thing. You know, you don't feel the waves as much. You follow me on that?
2: Oh, yeah. I mean, my little airplane is going to feel every little bump in the sky, and a 747, you know, probably wouldn't even notice it until it's, you know, getting up close to gale force winds, Right. right?
1: So it is definitely a much more comfortable ride, generally speaking. Uh, in that sense, but having so many people have to get on and off the aircraft is a pain in the butt for sure. But, uh, but as far as for a long, long haul flight, bigger is better in my book. If you got to fly commercial uh, and, uh, we just going to have less options when it comes to those big monster ones, but I don't know the seven eighty seven, seven seventy seven, those are pretty big too.
2: They, That's what I was going to say. You've got, got the A three fifties and a three thirties are, are very large airplanes with lots of, lots of room. It's just not, The double decked, you know, of the A380 or the 747. Right.
1: So uh, regardless of what kind of aircraft you're flying, though, whether it's commercial or your own private aircraft, it looks like now you're going to have to stop flying over Cuba. You could get a variance before from Cuba, I believe. Right. But now they're saying, "Uh, we don't want you here.
2: Is that what's going on? Well, they used to allow airplanes under 6,000 pounds, you know, general aviation flights that weren't flying for hire. So just, you know, like you and I going, you know, island hopping, if say we wanted to head to Jamaica, right? Um, the, qu- the quickest way is to go over Cuba.
1: And to say, hey, hey and, that's Cuba down there. How cool is that? It's yeah. kind of a fun thing to, to witness or, you know, experience.
2: But uh, we used to be able to get the overflight permit for free. And now they're saying that you have to actually pay and you know transfer funds to set up an account and all this or go through a third party broker to be able to negotiate an overflight permit because oh no hell no so i guess we're going to have to go an island hop we'll go out to the bahamas and go the long way around instead
1: right, all right take the scenic flight over the water and pack an extra raft could Maybe. be
2: worse right? Uh,
1: yeah we're divers we have dive gear all
2: right uh
1: captain keith is going to join us next stay close to just Plain radio
0: Just plain Radio, the show devoted exclusively to flying and the aviation lifestyle.
1: I've been up around the stratosphere at 31,000 feet. I'm going to fly on out of here on wings that you can't see. If you're going to fly high without fear, you're going to have to learn to love the atmosphere. And you got to learn to use those wings. You can't see. This is Just Plain Radio. Greg, your co-pilot. That's me along with Captain Dennis. And we are now joined by Captain Keith. Yes, he is taking a break from flight uh, training professionals. He is here to add some professionalism to our crew. Uh, you know, to kind of get the weight and balance just right. And uh, so... You know, we've been talking about the uh, the fact that the, I don't know, the 747 is going out of commission. There is some news about the 737 MAX possibly getting back in the air. So, what, Keith, what's going on with that exactly?
4: Well, uh, the end of last month, beginning of this month, the FAA did their flight tests. And uh, now they're gathering all the data from those flight tests. And so Boeing is thinking positive. So they have uh, started up the assembly line again. Wow. So.
1: Okay, so we so are hoping had all these 737 MAX aircraft parked for the last several months all around the world. They've, they've been grounded, but you're, they've actually started the production line back up because they got enough demand, or they just don't have nothing better to do, or what, what's going on?
4: Well, I, I think you know they do have some orders. They do okay. have some airplanes that are still sitting there.
1: Mm-hmm.
4: Um, but they're betting that this airplane is going to be airborne again or— shall we say, signed off to go fly again by the end of the year.
1: Okay. Uh, well, that's a good
4: thing. So, uh, And if all has worked out well, I mean, it, the 737 has proven itself to be a, a great airplane for years already, and uh, I think uh, Boeing is counting on this kind of doing the same thing.
1: Okay. And, and this one, is this a six-seater, like six across, three and three, or what is a 37? How big is it? Yes, Okay. It is. All right. So this is one of those aircraft, Dennis, you were talking about that is kind of like the workhorse for especially like, I don't know, one to two hour flights, especially all across the U.S. You think something like that? Yeah,
2: between that and the Airbus 300, 320 series, they, they are the, the the workhorses of the, the traditional airlines. Right.
1: So they're not going away. I, I was starting to think that they were never going to get these things back up in the air. But that's I think that's good news. You know, even though well, I prefer bigger, uh, you know. Uh, they got all these uh, new aircraft that have been sitting there. It's time for them to get back in the skies, right? Absolutely. Get them up. Get them going. We got to get to places. More coming up on Just Plane Radio. Just Plane Radio,
0: the show devoted exclusively to flying and the aviation lifestyle. Just Plane Radio, the show devoted exclusively to flying and the aviation
3: lifestyle. Hold on, he's flying the plane? It's an autopilot. I say these hands were takeoffs and landings. I mean, does a surgeon do the middle of an operation? Yes. You don't know. You're fine.
1: This is Just Plane Radio. Craig, your co-pilot. That's me along with Captain Keith and Dennis rounding out the crew as we navigate the latest aviation news and information. All right, so uh video of the week. Since we are Just Plane Radio, it's only appropriate we talk about stuff you can visually encounter as well online. And I'd say this one took the, uh, I don't know, took the award for most uh, viral video for aviation enthusiasts. And if you haven't seen it, it basically is a uh what it's a Cessna 150. Is that it, Dennis? Right, a little two seat trainer. Okay, and this guy landed his aircraft on a sandbar. Was it in Canada or where was he? He was in New Zealand. New Zealand. Okay, and uh, it, it looks like he's literally uh, landed on the water. You don't even see the sandbar from the you know still video uh, frame. When you pull up this video, I'm sure he's just a uh, New Zealand plane takes off from Sandbar or something like that. Yeah, you can find this very easily online. But um, but it's, it's impressive from the standpoint of how did he get there? So cover that part of the story first, Dennis. What happened?
2: Well, it's an impressive case of stupidity. I mean, the, the the reason he had to land on the sandbar was he ran out of gas. So, okay. You know, that, so you know, stupid plane tricks. That's number one on the list. Mm-hmm. Don't do that. And and if you do, make sure people aren't recording it because, yeah, the whole thing was caught. Not not just him landing on the sandbar, but apparently a friend of his was able to bring in fuel via helicopter to yeah. the sandbar. And then he departed out and he was kind of, I got to go quickly because the tide is coming in (laughs) and he was about to lose his sandbar and his airplane on it. crazy
1: Kiwis.
2: There's so many things wrong. This is just, you know, an accident study in the making, honestly. But But this uh,
1: had a happy ending. He actually was able to fly out of there, right?
2: He did. Somehow he managed to run out of a sandbar at the same time. He had enough airspeed to, to clear the, the edge of the water. And, uh, it ended well, but it didn't look real good from the vantage point of the camera that was filming it. It was it looked pretty tight.
1: It would have truly went viral if he would have uh, taken a nosedive on the takeoff or something, but he actually well, executed well.
2: It, it uh, went viral regardless. I but. It
1: did, right. But I'm just saying it would have been probably double the views if, uh, you know, I mean, I don't want to wish bad things to happen to him, but. You know, that's why people were watching. It's like watching a NASCAR race. You don't really watch who wins. You were like, hey, when's the next accident going to happen? Whoa, look at that flying. Woo. But anyway, uh, I don't know. It's interesting. And uh, he dodged a bullet on that one. But I guess the moral of this story is don't run out of gas. And if you do, hopefully you can find a better option to land your aircraft than on a sandbar. Where where does that fall in the... uh, categories of emergency landings there keith i mean is, is it water first or sandbar first i guess it's sandbar then water <laughs> or maybe well the combination it, of, it, two, of the two it,
4: it is a combination of the two yeah. but you know if, if you actually watch this video he actually landed there was quite a bit of water there yeah um and so he's lucky that uh he was he did not get flipped over when mm. he first touched down um
1: because that's so, what happens. Your, your wheels get stuck in the water and they stop the plane too quick, and then you nose or flip the plane potentially, right? Correct. Correct. So, yep. you know, that was in New Zealand. Yeah, we're based in Florida. Obviously, we have a lot of sandbars, otherwise, uh, otherwise known as uh, beaches <laughs> uh, around here. Are those, where do those um, rate in the options to land during an emergency? Have you
2: seen well, here, beaches here in, Florida? in Florida? Well, they yeah.
4: they they are they're pretty good because you can drive on them. True. Where whereas a, a lot of beaches you can't drive on them because you just sink in the uh, in the
2: sand. Mm-hmm. So the, the other uh, side of that though is you have a lot of people on your beaches in Florida, and so it, if you're coming into land now, all of a sudden you're having to dodge uh, people. Which uh, well, think,
1: some of the beaches are closed right now, Dennis. So you just got to know which ones to go to. <laughs> Maybe.
2: Or it, just put it down just slightly offshore where you're not going to hit anybody. You know, well, no, innocent, no innocent bystanders.
1: Well, of course. And, you know, during the week might be less people than during the weekend. But, like, just in, let's say if you had an option, we have a lot of lakes. and obviously but one of the it.
4: options, Greg, is to put enough fuel on the airplane.
1: Well, I, I'm saying. But if you got into an emergency situation, let's say you have a big lake, you have a beach in the ocean. Where does it rank as far as uh, your choices? If all are pretty much equal as far as getting to them, and then and let's let's say the beach is relatively empty, would you? Would that uh, be I'm before? Going
4: for, I'm going for the beach.
1: Okay, that's what I thought. And then, then, but just then
4: again, go. I don't know how to swim. Well, so I do. I do know somebody that uh, he would opt for the water. Really, uh, and has actually done it on the water. He's actually put an airplane into the water and it did not nose over because he basically stalled it right. And it just settled down onto the water.
1: Yeah. I mean, that that's the the trick to that. You have to be able to flare just right. And, uh, and just lay it down on, on the belly of the plane just and right. So to you try don't try to flip. land
2: parallel with the surf too. Right. So you're not heading into the waves. Well, or yeah, I mean, there would be that, but
1: if you're on the, on the beach and you, and you had a, a good swath of beach, where the waves weren't breaking right there, Dennis. Uh, Which that's is difficult
4: I, to do, though, Greg, when you have landing gear hanging out.
1: Well, uh, well, true, but, I mean, it would depend on the beach, wouldn't it? I mean, if it's over at New Smyrna, like where you said, where, you know, they actually let cars on the beach, you're going to have a lot much, you know, um, much more of an option of flat, oh, yeah. sandy space uh, yeah. than where, you know, right there on the water's edge. So I, it just fortunately, depends.
4: Fortunately, yeah. at a beach like that, you don't have a lot of people right at the water's edge. You know, most of them are sitting back a little bit. So you could land on that hard sand right at the water's edge and be fine.
1: Yeah. Okay. So you would go for the sand over the lake, but your buddy, he pick, he would pick a lake over the sand. It he just definitely kinda, would. It just depends on how good you feel about your skills as far as uh, water landing and stuff. Let's hope that that never happens. It definitely won't happen for running out of gas. I'll tell you that much. That won't happen for me. That's like a diver running out of air. I've never had that happen. Neither has Dennis, right, Dennis? You've never had that happen. Nope. Yeah. That's just, you know, basic. uh, Good planning. Exactly. If you're following the rules, you should never have that happen. And, uh, you know, figuring in the proper amount of reserve. But, you know, those crazy Kiwis, you know, who knows what they were thinking. You know, uh, and he, you know, they got a lot of great scenery, maybe he got distracted and that's what caused him to run out of fuel and have to land on a sandbar. So don't be that guy. Don't be one of those crazy Kiwis. Uh, just, uh, watch your fuel consumption and, and hopefully you won't have to make any kind of tricky uh, decision like that. All right. So, uh, one of the other, uh, news nuggets we wanted to dive a little deeper in today with, uh, involves flight aware. We've talked about this before, but they've been putting out regular updates on the statistical data of all the aircraft that they track, which is pretty much everything, right, Dennis?
2: Yeah, uh, anything ADSB or anything that you know the FAA radar picks up is uploaded and collected by uh, FlightAware, and they do a fantastic job of making wonderful tools available to us aviation geeks to be able to see what airplanes going over our head or where our particular airplane is, or even to being able to track the next plane that you're going to fly on for an airline, you can see exactly where that airplane is.
1: And I don't believe they had this in mind when they created this whole system, but it's turned into a COVID-19 tracking device as far as knowing how the aviation community is doing and comparing to, to last year. So, So for instance, they're putting out, business aviation aircraft tracking and showing a graph of like, okay, here's where we're at the beginning of the year. Here's where the virus hit. And you can actually see how we've compared to uh, flights, the number of flights uh, last year. And you can see where the curve is pretty much back to where it was at this time last year. We've recovered from as far as uh, business aviation activity for sure. Now, commercial flights have uh, not come nearly as close to what we were doing last year, as you would know by just watching the news, uh, but you, know, you are seeing some upticks too there, and it's pretty fascinating to see these uh, changes week to week. Would you agree?
2: It has been very interesting and, you know, being that I'm at the airport quite frequently, you know, I'm seeing, you know, pretty much normal flight volumes. My son works at an FBO at an airport and they've seen, you know, the majority of their business. They're almost back to the same amount of, uh, arrivals and departures that they, as they were doing last summer.
1: Keith, so, is that what you're seeing at Orlando executive too? Does that make sense?
2: Uh, ours
4: is a little bit more, uh, excused upon here, up and down. Yeah. Um we had some really really good times uh, as far as the i'm talking about fbo's here now mm-hmm. uh, and then we've had some where it's been pretty dead so you know if we had more theme parks and stuff open we'd have a lot
1: more well traffic good market. point that happens next week more coming up on just plain radio just plain radio the show devoted exclusively to flying and the aviation lifestyle
3: For nearly 75 years, the Aircraft Owners and Pilots Association has been a beacon for those who cherish the freedom to fly. AOPA protects your rights as a pilot by fighting airspace restrictions, fuel taxes, user fees, airport closings, and other issues that threaten your ability to take to the sky. AOPA is on the front lines every day to ensure that general aviation and the interests of its members are promoted and safeguarded. Learn more about how you can become a member at AOPA.org.
1: Imagine traveling twice as fast as you can drive. Imagine taking friends and family snorkeling, surfing, skiing, shopping, and more to exotic destinations. Imagine attending business meetings in cities far away and still making it home at night. Or just imagine exploring the wild blue yonder. Quit dreaming about it and get to it. There has never been a better time to become a private pilot, and Flight Training Professionals in Orlando will show you how. Flight Training Professionals in Orlando is your full-service flight school.
0: Just Plane Radio, the show devoted exclusively to flying and the aviation lifestyle. Ladies and gentlemen, this is your stewardess speaking. We regret any inconvenience the sudden cabin movement might have caused. This is due to periodic air pockets we encountered. There's no reason to become alarmed, and we hope you enjoy the rest of your flight. By the way, is there anyone on board who knows how to fly a plane?
3: Airplanes, airplanes, flying all around the sky. Do you think we can take off before he gets here? Airplanes, airplanes, flying way up high.
1: That's what they do. Uh, this is just plain radio. Greg, your co-pilot. That's me along with Captain Keith and Dennis rounding out the crew. All right, so the FAA has uh, made some changes to, uh, I guess, I don't does this apply to all their instructional uh, materials there, Dennis? What is this? It
2: sounds like they're updating terminology to become more politically correct in all of their official documents, uh, starting with the flight instructor's handbook and eventually pilot's handbook of aeronautical knowledge and all of these, in, you know, these Bibles or, you know, whatever you want to call them, the official, you know, instruction manuals that the FAA produces.
1: Okay. So instead of calling you a student in training, they've uh, eliminated the word student, and now they're going to replace it with learner.
2: Or in your case, a lifelong learner. Well, thank you for
1: that. Uh, Keith, who works at Flight Training Professionals as a flight instructor, have you incorporated these changes into your… You know your instructional program as well, there, uh, Keith, or no? What do you think? No, no. I'll still be a student in your eyes, is what you're saying. No,
4: we call them clients or customers. Oh, okay,
1: all right. We never
4: have. We never have called them students. And after they solo, we call them a pilot.
1: Okay, fair enough. Yeah, I don't. I mean, students, okay, but learner. I'm a learner. I guess I don't know. And then you need
2: to be learned. And and
1: they don't want to use the term cockpit anymore. It's not the cockpit. Why? It's it's the flight deck. It's the flight deck instead of the cockpit. Too many kids like me would snicker every time you'd say cockpit?
2: uh, I think that might be part of it, but more so that the airlines have standardized on the term flight deck. And so this better fits with the, you know, with kind of the the bigger industry training and guidelines that they've been using. Hmm. It's more for political correctness.
1: Is it? Well, you, yes. you know, you could really have a lot of fun with flight deck, depending on how you set it. <laughs> yes, you could. So it could be just as bad as cockpit. As my qu- Well, hey, maybe that's just me. I don't know. I, got, I guess they got to do what they think they got to do. But it seems like a big waste of time. Like, who cares? It,
4: it is a big waste of time. But some woman complained. And so. Oh, boy. Send your hate mail to
1: it. Keith at com. <laughs>
4: It'll go right to his deleted yeah. items. I, I'm just telling you the history of it. That's yeah, all.
1: Yeah, well, okay. You know, they got it. Yeah, okay. We'll just leave that one lie then. It is what it is. Uh, but there is some other stuff. That, a little bit more on a positive note. I I actually noticed this on our uh, World of Boating radio show last few weeks. We have uncovered some uh, data that is showing like boat sales are literally through the roof right now for new boats. They can't keep the stock up at all the boat dealerships across the U S and and we've started to attribute it somewhat to the fact that, you know, you can go out buy a boat and uh, go out with your family, stay socially distanced and, and still have, you know, something to do uh, during your lockdown festivities, wherever you happen to be in the country. If you have a waterway available to you, it's, it's an activity that you could still participate in. And a lot of people are taking advantage of it. And I've wondered if that has been applying to aircraft sales too. So Keith, what have you seen? Are uh, air- new aircraft sales, are they doing pretty well right now? You think there could be a similar type thing going on in that industry?
4: Uh, I would think so. In talking with the sales reps from Beechcraft and Cessna at anyway. Yeah. Um they're sold out for the year. So wow. they don't have anything left.
1: Now, now so, that could be partly because, you know, the factories have had to shut down the last few months, too. There could be a little bit of that going on. but There uh, but,
4: definitely is that. There is a slowdown in production. But, right.
1: But there's also, uh, you know, there's been an increase in demand, which I, I think surprises a lot of people. It surprised me on the boating world. And I was like, gosh, I, I, I bet this is applying to. To pilots, too, and we've talked about it. I mean, Dennis, you've got your aircraft. You've had it all spruced up, and it's not a new it aircraft. Does not, but, it uh, doesn't
4: surprise me at all in the, in the airplane world because who wants to get on an airliner today? No one. Why not, get, why not just get your own airplane? Don't have to deal with TSA. You don't have to deal with the airlines mm-hmm. and fly where you want to go. Well, you, you don't have yourself. to worry
2: about the person next to you either. That's right. You can. Uh,
1: you, you don't have to have an empty seat between you that they'll probably won't observe anyway.
2: (laughs) And yeah, I'll I'll socially distance it, you know, anywhere from three to 9,000 feet. And even when I land, I can get self-service gas, or even if the FBO has to roll a fuel truck, it's 10 feet of hose between, you know, the airplane and the truck. They're not touching anything. Uh, You know, I think you stay very socially distant and yet, You can still get out and go places. Right.
4: Well, and and the American Airlines is selling all their seats. They're not keeping the middle seat empty.
2: Well,
1: exactly. And all the other carriers are going to follow suit as soon as they feel they can get away with it. I have no doubt about that. But, you know, that flight aware data that we were talking about earlier that shows that business aviation activity is pretty much what it was at this time last year. Uh, you know, it, it could be a combination that more people are getting involved in it. You know, they're getting an aircraft or or whatever, and we're seeing uh, good activity. So, you know, that's a good sign. We'll have to wait and see if the trend continues to go that way or if it levels off or something. I don't know, but that's a good thing. We could all uh, rally around that, can't we, Dennis?
2: Absolutely. And flight training is still going to be required. We still need new airplanes. We still need more pilots. So
1: We need lots of learners <laughs> like me. Lifelong learners.
2: Well, we want other learners, ones that actually will get their ratings. I really don't like that term. How about aviation educator? Are you okay with that one? Or would you rather have CFI? Hmm. CFI.
1: They haven't taken a side on that, have they,
2: Dennis? I've heard him starting to leverage it more, try to get a little more prestige. Instead of CFIs, we call them
1: superhumans. You can rally behind that, right? Uh. Um, yeah, I'm huh. superhuman. Okay, there we go. <laughs> and on that disturbing note, we'll wrap it up. Till next time, remember there's no better high than learning to than fly. Learning to fly. fly now!